Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Ferris Sage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we are live at the Meeting of the Minds in Newport Beach, California. Not San Diego, Ron? We're not in San Diego? Not in San Diego, no. If you haven't heard the story, I flew into San Diego. Put in S-A-N instead of S-N-A. Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. Well, Ron, I'm excited to be here at the Meeting of the Minds 2023. We are so excited to have this as a live audience. Love bringing this on the road and talking with you all. Today, our presentation is going to be about the first two segments. We do about 15 minutes, 15 minutes or so. is going to be around a Harvard Business Review article that Ron and I want to share with you and talk to you about as a setup for a future episode that we're going to have uh, Joe Pine, author of The Experience Economy. I know many of you remember that from way many years ago. On the 21st of April, is that right, Ron? Oh, that's right. 21st of April, we're going to have Joe on. But this is the article that inspired us to reach out and connect again with him. So we're going to talk about that. And then the second half of the show is going to be the Ask Us Anything portion of the show. So you need to start thinking about questions, whether it's related to the article that we're going to talk about today or just any of the stuff that you know that Ron and I like to talk about, whether it's pricing, economics, politics, if you dare go that way. But hey, we're, we're, it is Ask Us Anything. So we're going to get started. Uh, so Ron, let's talk a little bit about this, this Harvard Business Re Review article. This is in the January, February 2022 edition of Harvard Business Review, and it's in the competitive strategy section by Lance Betancourt, Joe Pine II, James Gilmore, and David Norton. And the enti it's entitled, The New You Business. So I'll start off with that question to you, Ron. What's the new you business? The new you business is basically when, when Joe Pine and James Gilmore wrote the original book, The Experience Economy in 1999, which by the way, has been updated now. I think it's in its third edition. In that book, they laid out what they called a hierarchy of value. And I'm just going to go through it really quick. Um, so stick with me here. But they say, if you sell things, you're in the commodity business. Like if you sell wheat or oil or whatever, then the question becomes, how do you decommoditize a commodity? They said, well, you take those things and you combine them and you make a good, you make a product. So you take some wheat, some flour, some other ingredients, and you make bread. And of course, now we have rye bread and all different types of bread. And that gives you a little bit more pricing power than just selling a basic commodity. But what happens when your product becomes a commodity? They said, well, then you wrap some services around that product. So if you're Rolls Royce and you're selling airplane engines, well, then you, you also wrap the maintenance around it so you can keep that engine in the sky, and that becomes a service. So now you're, you're combining the tangible with the intangible. So when I read that in 1999 as a recovering CPA at the time, I, I thought, well, that's where we are. We sell intangibles. We're in the service business, and we still say that. We're professional service firms. Well, then they said, what happens when your service becomes a commodity well, then they said, well, then if you can throw in an experience, which is memorable, now you're in the experience business, hence the title of the book. So they talked about Disney and they talked about, you know, theme restaurants like the Rainforest Cafe and all these other great examples of an experience business. But then they applied the same test. What happens when your experience becomes a commodity? You know, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, like Ed going to another I don't know, Billy Joel concert, right? I mean, you've been there, done that. Well, then, and this is what's so exciting about this idea, folks, because remember, this has been around for 24 years, and I think it's as relevant today as it was then. They said, if you want to decommoditize an experience, then provide transformations. Because when you provide transformations, you're actually guiding the customer from where they are to some desired future state. And when you guide transformations, 
The customer is the product. So it's about guiding those transformations. And what they do in this Harvard Business Review article is they flush out the concept of transformations and give some concrete examples. So, Ed, what did you think of this article in I terms thought of- thought this was a terrific piece. It re really was. And I'm just going to read what I think is the, the, the crux paragraph of this. And he's talking about, but all too often, fitness centers, medical providers, colleges, and organizations in many industries seek to distinguish themselves only on, ready folks, quality, convenience, and experience of what they sell. And we're like, yep, okay, I've heard this, this, this play before. It's not those things that, it's not that those things are not important, but they only matter as a means to the ends to the person. Too many organizations lose this sight. So, for example, he talks about weight loss, right? Enter enterprises should recognize that the economic opportunity offered by the transformation business in which they partner with their customer to, to improve some fundamental aspect of their lives and achieve the new you. I lost 25 pounds after COVID on Noom. Anybody do the Noom thing, all right? It was an, ex it was an experience where they connected personally with me to do this. And it was, I thought, a fantastic thing. They gave me psychological tools to be able to do this. So it wasn't just about a, quote, weight loss program. It was about them transforming me and creating, turning me into a different me. And I thought it was fantastic. It was a, did a great job. I put five back on, by the way, just so, so you know. But I was up at around 220 uh, with, with uh, my COVID uh, uh, added pounds, but have gotten down. And I found Noom to be one of these transformational experiences. So, Ron? Yeah. And the other thing I would, what I love about this folks is it, going back to this concept of what does it mean to be a professional? We're all professionals in this room. Well, a professional is someone who is basically responsible for creating a result rather than performing a task, right? If I want a series of tasks, I'll hire a day labor, right? Or chat GPT. Yeah. Or chat GPT. <laughs> Clean my gutter, you know, walk my dog. But if I go to a professional, I'm looking for some type of outcome, like the best clinical eyesight possible from an optometrist or something. And what I like about transformations is we're one of the few industries that can do it. One of the things I found really interesting about this article, Ed, is the examples he does give, like Noon and a couple others, they're still not professionals. They're still kind of tied to a, a service or a product. We are not. So we can really get in there and work with our customers to provide the ultimate transformations. And we can do it over and over and over. Serial transformations, which is what we talked about with regard to the subscription economy, is that what subscription economy is all about is about paying for serial transformations. How are you transforming the customer over and over and over and over again? And I think many of you would be able to share uh, dozens of stories about that, where you've done that with your customers over the last 20, 30, some 40 years, where you have made these transformations by stuff that you've added on over and over and over again. And what we want to do is change our thinking around that that, that being a one-off exception to that being the everyday occurrence. And that's what you do for all of your customers, or at least the customers that have stuck with you for so long. So the first step, he says, why they are unique. He says, how do, how do you go about selling a distinct economic offering? Talk a little bit about that, Ron, about what do you mean by distinct economic offering? Well, because it's customized to the particular individual. So we can look at our customers and have discussions with them about what they're trying to achieve either in their personal life or their business life. And this doesn't have to be, you know, completely, I know when we talk about transformations, it sounds like, oh, we, you know, we're talking about getting them married or joining the military or so. It doesn't have that to be that grandiose. It can be as something as easy as helping them become more profitable or hit some type of milestone or grow or whatever it might be. So we can do that with their personal life or we can do that in their business. And I just think it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a natural fit for what we do as professionals because, again, we can do it over and over, basically, from room to tomb. And the other thing I find interesting about this, Ed, because remember, this article is in the strategy section. This differentiates your firm. When you start using the language of transformations, you're no longer talking about products and service and scope of work. You're now messaging a desired future state like noon, you know, weight loss, and you're no longer focused on the means to the end. You're focused on the end. The services are just a means to an end. I think we need to start as professionals focusing on the ends. 
Yeah, exactly. And he talks more about this in the section on focusing on customer success, which to, to us in this room, it's it's not just about up and running. You've had customers that are up and running for, again, 20, 30, 40 years. What is it that you're doing to really take them to that next level beyond just up and running? Well, and we've talked about this for years and this notion of how can you move from being a person who fights fires to be the firefighter waiting for something to happen when it's broken and go in and fix it to being the person that is in charge of saying, okay, how do I prevent fires from happening in the first place, if at all? What can you do from that perspective? How can you make sure that fires don't happen? And this is a hard thing for you, for, for some of us to accept. I have, I have two uh, uncles who are firefighters. And uh, one in Providence, Rhode Island, one in New York. And if you, if, if, if you told them, you know, like, by the way, does anybody have firefighters in their family? They're weird, aren't they? <laughs> they yeah, right? They're, they're, I'm seeing the heads. You know why they're weird? Because they run into freaking burning buildings. That's why they're weird. But that, because that's what they've done from their profession. They run towards the fire to save people for very good reasons. No firefighter I know likes it when there's personal property damage or people are killed, right? They want to save people. They don't like this, but they go when, when required. But if you told my uncles, Rich, Jimmy, hey, you're not going to be able to, to fight fires anymore. And instead, I want you to sell fire insurance. They would be like, but I like fighting fires. I like, I like doing that. And I think to a certain extent, that's part of the mindset that you guys in this room have to shift away from because you like fighting fires, you like the experience of going in and fixing a problem and being told how great you are. And I get it. It's, it, it's, a, it's a huge adrenaline hit to know, oh, you saved, you saved the world again, you know, their, their world from financial disaster. But what we really want is how can they make sure that those disasters don't occur or, or so, occur so infrequently that it's maybe a once or twice a year thing across the entirety of your customer portfolio. I'll say that again. How can you make it so that only one or two of your customers has a problem once or twice in the entire year? That's what you want to try to do. So they don't have problems anymore. And some of you are going to look at me, but Ed, I, I like going in and fixing the problems. I, I, you're right. Because that, that's, that's where, you, where you've built a lot of the self-esteem from is being able to fix those problems. I, I just say to this, because... I know all professionals are great problem solvers. We always will be. That will always be a part of what we do. But I want to challenge you with this. If all we're doing for our customers is solving problems, we're just reverting them back to the status quo. We're not advancing them. And we have the privilege as professionals to advance our customers. And that's the absolute apogee of value creation, according to Pine and Gilmore. Now, we can argue about their model. We can argue about their framework. But when I look out from a strategy perspective and see all firms kind of doing you know, the same thing, when everybody's zagging, we should be zigging. <laughs> and I think this gives us an opportunity for true differentiation. All right. Well, Ron, we're up against our first break. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending one email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Those of you following along, we are live tweeting this show. If you go to go to asktsoe on Twitter, you'll find that tweet and you can comment on that as well. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program, this program delivers the tools to create, 
Package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise live at 90 Minds 2023. And just a reminder... Our show is our actually our Patreon channel is sponsored by 90 Minds. I don't know if you're aware. This is the relationship that we have and why we're here. If you go to patreon.com slash TSOE, you can hear the show commercial free where you do hear the banter in, in between commercials, as well as our bonus episodes that Ron and I release and well, there's other material. And that's one of the benefits of being in 90 Minds. So again, shout out to 90 Minds. Woo! All right. So, Ron, let's talk about the next part of this article, uh, Pine and Gilmore and et al. talk about designing the offering. And the first thing that they talk about, and I really love this, is to integrate solutions. And what I think this means for you guys in this room is taking responsibility for the entirety of the system. If it's at all tangentially related to the ERP or accounting system, own it. Don't, Don't push away from it. Own it. because And don't you have excuses, well, that's not a product, blah, blah, blah. Now, I think you can put certain parameters in, like saying, I only work with a certain tech stack. I think that's perfectly acceptable to say that you're not going to do some t- something outside of a, a particular tech stack, but own as much as you can outside the system. Ron, I know you were with a, 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 an accounting firm for a while as their, as their pricing officer, chief value officer. And one of the things, listen to this, guys, that they, they started doing as part of the, 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 the this was they would offer insurance if somebody left the company they would take over and do that person's job and, that, and, and then help hire and educate the new person coming in. And you guys were able to get a significant premium over this. Yeah, we did. It was called turnover insurance and it was always part of the middle or the top option. And boy, I'll tell you, the CIOs and CTOs, they ate it up. They loved it. They all signed up for it or right. most of them did. Significant premium. And I think in two years, you said it happened once. Yep. I think we pulled the trigger once. So it was an insurance type offering, but it really differentiated us from other firms that offered the same service. So um, next up, Ron, is engage each customer as an essential partner. What what did you take away from this section? I I love this section because what what they say here is transformations aren't produced in a factory or placed on a shelf in a store. They They are custom tailored in partnership with the person being transformed. And here I think is kind of the tough thing about a transformation, but the person has to want to be transformed. It's not something you can impose. It's not something you can just show them, you know, kick the tires. They've got to want to do it. They have to want to be motivated. And I think that's one of the reasons that makes Noom so successful because you are motivated to to change. Um, but I, I love the idea that this is a bespoke offering. So you're still guiding the customer, but you're still you're still customizing that guide uh, to what they what their end result is. Yeah, I, I just I do love that term guide. And those of you might remember Rob Johnson, my my compatriot, he used to do the sales academy when I did consulting academy, and he always used to talk about salesperson as Sherpa, which I thought was just an interesting way. To, uh, you know, the 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 guide, the Sherpas are are the tribe in Nepal that help people get to the top of uh, of uh, uh, Mount Everest. And they, they've, they've created a business, mostly at the, the beseechment of Sir Edmund Hillary, who is not the first person to get to the top, by the way. Did you hear about this story? Sir Edmund Hillary was not the first person to get to the top of the way they discovered. And this is only about 10 years ago. Do you remember the story, Ron? I think it was. So it was like 10 years ago, they discovered that the season before Sir Edmund Hillary made it up to the top of the mountain, another group had made it but was killed in an avalanche or something. And, and did, but, the, but from their journals, it, it, apparently they had made it to the top of the summit. And they asked Sir Edmund Hillary about this and you know, him being the, the Kiwi that is very dry sense of humor said, and I love this, getting down counts too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have a very serious point to make about getting down counts too, because I don't know how many uh, uh, implementations I was involved in that were successful in the sense that the customer did eventually get up and running, 
but were not successful in the fact that over the long term, they were happy with the product. And I think it's because in a lot of ways, we would leave them at the top of the mountain, right? We would get them to the point where, okay, you're up and running. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. And in 18 months, we'll upgrade you. <laughs> You know, and and I don't, and I, I think this is in a lot of cases because they were quote out of budget. And I, how many times did you get involved in a situation where you know you guess you got eighty percent of the work done, but only twenty percent of the value was realized because you weren't able to do the stuff that comes at the end that was where the real value stuff happens because they were already quote out of budget. So what we have to do is like how can we put this uh, flip this on this edge to say no, we want to help them get down, getting down counts too. How can we help them get down to, from, to, from the top of the mountain to be feel totally successful in the end? And I think that's what he means when he's talking about this whole guide thing. Yeah, for sure. And then he concludes the article, folks, by saying this, such business models will be much harder to imitate than those that offer only good services or experiences. And they promise to generate handsome rewards. And, and that's a key word, business model, because... There's another book out there called The Crux, which is all about strategy by a guy named Richard Remolt. And he has a very interesting definition of a business model. He says, in essence, a business model explains what will be monetized once the products and services are given away for free. Now, that is an incredibly challenging definition. I mean, think about it just for a minute. If you didn't charge for the, the services, the scope of work, and all the things that you're going to do, what would you charge for? And I think the logical answer to that is transformations. Transformations, and sometimes we refer to it as outcomes, but it's even beyond even an outcome it to is. a certain extent. But I, I do, I, I would re be remiss if I didn't tell the, the Tim story to yes. talk about, because I think this is a, another great example of this. Um, our friend Tim Williams at the Verisage Institute, another senior fellow, works mostly with marketing companies in the marketing space. And um, But he, he had a, a situation that happened to him personally that I think pr really illustrates this whole idea of the difference between inputs, outputs, and, and outcomes. And Tim, um, he lives in Utah, but he inherited a property in Las Vegas, Nevada, right? So he inherited this, I think it was aunt or something like that who, who passed away. And he wanted to put it up on Airbnb. Now, he lives in Utah, has to, you know, has this house in, in, uh, in Las Vegas. He, he shows up and he realizes that he needs a landscaper. Now, if you show up in a town where there's absolutely, you know, no one, you can't get on the local Facebook page, right? And say, you know, who are the landscaping companies that everybody uses? He was completely blind. So he says, I need to, you know, I need, what do I do? I called three people. Call three, this says, I'm going to call three people. I looked at them, like, I'm going to call these three people. And he says, the, the three, three, three guys showed up. Sorry, ladies, it was just guys. I guess those people in landscaping, very low on the equity idea. That's just like for some reason. Uh, but the, the first guy shows up and he's carrying a clipboard and he looks at the yard and he says, all right, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edge, I'm going to mow, I'm going to trim your bushes once a quarter, I'm going to do this, this, this. It's like, okay, and it's $25 an hour and I'll send you the bill at the end of every month or however many hours it takes me to do this. He's like, okay, got it. All right, next guy shows up, he's got the same clipboard and he's looking around and he says, all right, I'll edge, I'll mow, I'll trim your bushes, I'll put fertilizer down, all of this. But uh, he gives him a punch list. He says, I'll give you a fixed price, 250 bucks a month. Right, okay, great. Third guy shows up and he's got the same clipboard, but instead of going through his checklist, he asks a very interesting question of Tim. He says, Tim, tell me about this property. And Tim tells him the story. I inherited it from my aunt. You know, I'm going to be putting it up on Airbnb. Guy goes, oh, I got it. Tim, here's what I'm going to do, do for you. For $350 a month, I'm going to make sure that your house has the best curb appeal in the neighborhood. If a bush dies, I'll put a new bush in. If grass dies, I'll replant it. Your house, I'll plant flowers seasonally. Whatever it takes, your house is going to have the best curb appeal in the neighborhood. And Tim finishes telling this story and asks the audience that he's presenting in front of, and I will always remember the first time he did this, he says, so which do you think I went with? And everybody's like, well, the third, the third guy, right? Of course, I went with the third guy. He goes, I wish he doesn't exist. <laughs> I had to make him up for this story. But that's what I wanted. 
I wanted somebody to just give me the best curb appeal in the neighborhood. That's what I wanted. So my question to you is, what is the ERP equivalent of best curb appeal in the neighborhood? And what are you going to do to deliver that to your customers? How can you deliver the best curb appeal in the neighborhood? And then once you do that, folks, the customer is not so much focused on the scope of work anymore and, you know, have to go to the Department of Paperwork to get a change order. They're just focused on that outcome. And if you deliver that outcome, then you've transformed that customer into something different. You brought them to a preferred future. So, you know, if Tim was able to get that landscaper, he'd have a higher sales price if he ever went to sell the property. Uh, and I think that's what makes transformations so so powerful and and such a differentiator. This is a this is the probably the main idea for me is this provides you enormous differentiation from other firms uh, because using a different language, a different vocabulary, and you're focused on different things. Focusing on that customer transformation, there's nothing higher than that. Yeah, talk a little bit about the the Starbucks Reserve, Ron, because I think that's another good example. Yeah, one of the things that Joe Pine talks about in the book is the fact that product and service companies, and even to some extent, experience companies, say like Disney, they can't overcome their 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 commodification because they're tied to a physical offering. So if you look at a Starbucks Reserve, and these there's a, I think there's a couple in Seattle, there's one in Dallas, there's one in Chicago, they. It, it, Charles or Howard Schultz said, I'm going to create the Willy Wonka of coffee. <laughs> so these are like multi-story buildings. Each floor has you know, got a different theme. I guess the top floor you can buy booze and maybe $50 coffee or something, but they're still tied to a product. Starbucks is not able to transform their individual customers. And as professionals, we are. And I think that's what separates us from products and service companies, and even to some extent, experience companies. Very hard for Disney to transform an individual. Sure, they can give them memories. They can give them lifetime memories that they can hold and share with their family, but they're not really transforming us the way transformations can. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, this is this is not easy stuff, guys. I mean, I totally admit that, that this it requires some deep thinking, but when you really can get to the point where you're transforming people, you don't you don't need to have a bazillion customers. You can have some that you're still keeping under your perhaps old brand that you're just helping through. But I want you to just have a core segment of I don't, I don't know how many, couple dozen that you're that you are really focused on trans, serial transformations, transforming their business over and over and over again. And I think that's really the way that to begin to think about this. And it doesn't take new product; it just takes a rethinking of what you currently have. Yeah, it just really requires more beautiful questions on our part. Yeah, well, and we'll talk more about questions in a little bit. I, I'm going to set this up. We've got uh, one minute till our break here, but I want to set up the fact that after the, our next break, I'm going to come out and do my best Phil Donahue impression. I'm dating myself. Yes, Phil Donahue. Uh, we're we're going to have you guys ask questions of myself and Ron. I'll run out in the audience. So if you've got a question, raise your hand and I'll come to you. Otherwise, Ron and I will just keep talking and it will be very boring very quickly. <laughs> so, um, but again, it's, 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 it's ask us anything. We're, we're perfectly happy to entertain any kind of question you've got on this topic, on others, uh, and we'll move forward on that. But we want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows and all 429 previous shows, something like that, Ron? Or 31 or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's over in the 400. So we will hopefully be doing our 500 show next year at some point, which is pretty amazing. But right now we want to have our sponsors lead us off and pay some of the bills. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. 
Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back and everybody. we are back on the soul of enterprise live at the yep. meeting of the minds <laughs> and we have our first question for us ron Gary Feldman, iBusiness Network. So when you're talking about these um, transformation of our businesses, I think you're talking about going beyond what, what Ron was talking about with the profitability question, like to get to the why do you want to be more profitable? What is the end goal beyond the profitability? Is it so that you can grow your business to let your kids come in or you're trying to exit the business? What is the why behind the result that you're trying to get. Is that really what you're talking about in this transformation approach? I, I think that could be part of it, Gary, because I, you know, I think the five why questions are always really good. Like a little kid, you know, why, why keep asking the why to get to the root cause. And maybe there is something that is deeper than just, I want to be more profitable. Maybe it is because I want to retire in five years or I want to transfer the son to, or my business to my son or something like that. So, yeah, I think, Again, this I, it's all about asking the, the deeper questions and understanding what their real future goals are. Right. And just, just to put in a shameless plug for Ron's new book, uh, Time's Up, uh, I want to mention that, uh, that it was also co-authored by Paul Dunn, and he writes actually extensively in the first section of the book about purpose and why, why you want to pr- pr- pass on what he calls a legacy which I think is, is pretty cool. Do you have a follow-up? Yeah, yeah the, wouldn't, wouldn't a similar question would be, what would be different if you achieved that outcome that you had just said is what you wanted? Yep, absolutely. I, you know, Paul's got a great line in his section of the book where he says, nature doesn't look for problems. Nature looks for potential. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to focus the customer on some desired future state. And yeah, and we are in the privileged position of being able to help them get there. We can guide that transformation. And I just think that's a very powerful focus. All right. Uh, any other question? Another question? Another question? Coming at you? Coming at you? All right. Well, I can do a diatribe then while, while you think of another question. I, but and, and toward what Gary was just saying here about this whole notion of, of, uh, of purpose and why. And I, and I think this is an important thing for all of us to keep in mind. I think far too often business people get sucked into the mindset of the purpose of their business is to make a profit. And that is patentedly false. That is not the purpose. That is the result. The result is profit. But the purpose is not profit. The purpose is something else. And I think we need to re- recognize that we need to separate those two things out. That purpose comes is purpose is the cause, profit is the result. And the way that uh, uh, John Mackey from Whole Foods put this, and I think he has a great analogy for this. He says, profit in a business is like the red blood cells in your body. None of us wake up every morning thinking, you know what I got to do today? Produce me some red blood cells. That (laughs) is on my to-do list for producing red blood cells. Now, if you don't produce red blood cells, what happens? You die, (laughs) right? You die. So if you don't produce a profit in a business, what happens? You die, <laughs> right? So it's the red blood cells, but it's not the purpose. It's not why you woke up that morning to do so. It's something else. And I think we have to separate those two things out, that profit and purpose are, are, are cause and effect, not the same. And certainly profit is not cause. Ron, talk a little bit. Yeah, no, I can't add anything to that. Uh, that's exactly right. And folks, I will ask you, though, for some help with this. Since we have Joe Pine coming on the show April 21st, 
if you've got a specific question that you'd like to ask Joe Pine, let us know and we will ask him on the show. I'd love I'd love your help because as we explain this, his concepts to professional audiences, we get a lot of questions and I think uh, there's some confusion about what it is to guide these transformations. I mean, we are in new territory here, but I think this is where the economy is headed. I mean, that's what Joe Pine basically is saying in the book is that we're going to enter a transformation economy. To, in some respects, we're already there. There are companies now that are charging only for the transformations. So I'll give you a real quick example. Uh, there was a drug company, I think it's GSK, and they made a drug called Rapatha. And it was designed to uh, eliminate the possibility of stroke or heart attack. And it was, I don't know, it was like 12 grand a year, $15,000 a year regiment for this. And the only way they could get European countries to reimburse for the drug was they came up with a very innovative model. They said, look, we'll only, we'll only get paid if the drug performs as we say it does. In other words, You'll pay for the drug, the patient will take it, but if the patient gets a stroke or a heart attack, we'll give you all your money back. And that's what they did. Now, that's a world where we're paid for performance, not promises. And I'm telling you, I think that's where we're ultimately headed. And I think the subscription model is a way station to that endpoint. Yep, other questions? All right, thank you, Brian. I'm running over. Yeah, it is asking anything. <laughs> no, you're not getting the mic. I'll hold it to you. But <laughs> what I'm, I'm just curious what your take is on what's going on with Silicon Valley Bank right now. Do you know anything about it? Yes, that's the one that was belly up now in Bitcoin. Yeah. No, they were not. They were not heavily affiliated at all with crypto. They're, I think there's, there's a huge chunk of the tech sector that's banking with Silicon Valley Bank. And there, there's a huge chunk of, chunk of the tech sector that banks with Silicon Valley Bank. And there's a run on the bank going on right now. There's like, they closed, FDIC took it over. Yeah. Wow. I had not heard of this. It's like happening right now. I was not, okay. Again, I got in. Did remember I, I flew into San Diego? Yes. <laughs> Remember, I fessed up earlier about that. So, no, uh, don't don't have an opinion on that. But thank you for letting us know about that. Yeah, no, I don't know. I haven't heard that either. So I'll look into that. Man, you guys are good. Jerry, you good for a question? No, you're good. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> I mean, that didn't take much prompting. <laughs> so my question, if you've got comments about the nature of companies you've come across who are interested in doing transformations. It's a very different way of thinking about, say, the ERP process where most of us go here. A lot of these guys, uh, it's kind of risky to them. I mean, what's what's your comments on that? Yeah, I guess, to, in other words, taking the customer the, the, the customer set that you have right now and selling into it and, say, are, identifying those that are interested in transformations, and maybe none of them are. Is that, what, what, do, we, what do we do there? Yeah, I I think that's that's a, a distinct possibility, but maybe that's just because we've never had the discussion with the customer about it. I I think this kind of goes back to the idea when you when you try and create a new business model in your firm, it's really hard to disrupt ourselves. And the thing that we advocate is if you really want to try out a new business model, spin out a new entity, put it in a new entity. If it's successful. It's going to cannibalize the old model, but if it's not successful, well, then you can just shut it down. But at least if you spin it out and and really put some skin in the game, you're going to give it you're going to give it a good test as opposed to just dipping your toe in the water in the existing legacy firm. That's probably not going to result in a disruption like spinning out a new firm. So we're big believers in spinning out new firms to try some of these new models. Um, that that seems to be the most successful way to do it. And the, the great line from Ron's book on this is that you can't be McDonald's and Ruth Chris and a vegan restaurant. Not in the same firm. I, I mean, your brand can only stand for one thing. So it'd be really hard to sell, you know, Rolls Royces and Chevys out of the same dealership, which is why I think separate brands or separate firms make so much sense. And the empirical evidence, at least so far, kind of tends to back that up. All right. Any other questions? Again, ask us anything. We're happy to ha have you. 
Uh, otherwise, I'm going back up up there and talking. So, and you got me. Oh, wait, wait, Wayne. All right, hold on, Wayne. Running, running. <laughs> uh, Wayne Schultz from Schultz Consulting. Uh, very interesting topic because it's it's high in my mind as well. And as it relates more, like when you talk about transformation, that gets a little kind of global. For as a consultant, when I think transformation, it, it might be. Uh, better framed as you have a company that is going to put in a new integration, right? We're going to do EDI. We're going to do warehouse management. We're going to do a website. The issue that I'm finding now that's more of an issue is a lot of these third parties, they have what they call project managers or account managers, but they have like 10 of them and they all pass the buck from one to the other. And that's my question is how do as consultants, do we convince or start to convince our ultimate customer that it's a good idea to pay us to project manage these when we've never done so in the past. And my belief is that a customer will never say no to us so long as it's free. So really the question is how do we turn that into a paid engagement and not a, okay, I volunteer to help manage this implementation with this particular vendor. Cause I think there's a lot of value to it. I see customers really needing it the question in my mind is how do we turn that corner? How do we get it to a paid and not a volunteer type work? What about home health, Ron? Talk about home health, home health services. The, you know, the, the, they come and do everything at your house. Oh yeah. The, um, the franchise that for, I don't know, it was like two and a quarter a month or two fifty a month will come in and they'll take care of your weekend checklist every month. They'll, you know, change the batteries and the smoke alarms and fix grout and squeaky doors and all of that kind of stuff. And they're in there every month and they do that. They have a whole checklist of everything they do. And if you hire, if you want to put a deck in your backyard or you want a new bathroom remodeled or a kitchen remodel, you can hire them and they'll project management. They'll project manage it and they'll hire the contractors. They'll take full responsibility for the job. And since you're already subscribing to them and they're already in your house every month, you've probably built up a relationship. So you're going to hire them to do that. Uh, and they get about half their revenue from those one-off projects. Now, I think there's a way to build it in, but no matter how you price for it, it's still focusing on that outcome rather than the means to the outcome. And I think the important thing to note there, Wayne, on this is that you, you can only get their project management services if you are a customer of theirs in the other capacity. So you can't hire them just to do the project management piece. You have to have be on their, you know, their home maintenance plan already. Is this is this analogy sounding familiar, right? <laughs> like un unless they're already on, right? Unless they're already on your access level agreement, service, whatever you call it, knowledge transfer agreement, all those things, that you begin to include that, uh, that you'll project manage the outside stuff for them. But you got to price it appropriately. So it's no longer just about, as Ron talked about, get a collection of tasks, but inclusive of, of coverage. Talk, Ron, we can't we can't do a show about this without talking a little bit about the direct primary care model, because I think the covered versus not covered concept is important because I think that is very relevant to this group. Right. I, you know, the, the direct primary care physicians, uh, and there's about nearly 2,000 of these uh, indep independent practices around the country. And by the way, the reason this is such a big topic is Amazon, as you probably know, just bought one medical, which was the largest DPC practice across the country, multiple offices. And if you're a prime member of Amazon, you can subscribe to one medical for $144 for a year. That's unbelievable. You have access to your own direct primary care physician, and they do have physical uh, locations where you can go for a physical or whatever. This is changing the way healthcare is delivered. And basically what these DPC docs are telling you is you subscribe to us and we will cover anything that we can do, that we can do. In other words, they're not going to do knee surgery, heart surgery, cure your cancer. They're going to get you to a specialist for that. And that might throw, that might kick in your insurance policy. But for whatever you need that they can do, you're covered. And the way they do that is they have fewer patients and they always have spare capacity to help people in emergency situations. They make house calls, they do telemedicine, all of that type of thing. And I do think that's the model for uh, professionals, at least, going forward, because doctors are there to keep us physically healthy, 
and we're here to keep our customers financially healthier and uh, and hopefully make them wiser as well. So the DPC space is a very interesting, revolutionary, very disruptive business model. Yeah, so so true. And definitely follow up on that. Ron and I have done a number of shows with one of these guys who's put these together. His name is Dr. Paul Thomas, runs a practice out of South Detroit. And for basically the price of a cell phone bill, he's offering uh, direct primary care services to his patients. The typical uh, direct or primary care doctor has what, 3,500 patients panel? Yeah, 3, between 2,400 or 3,000 3,000. And Dr. Paul has how many? 600. 600. So he, you actually talk to him and ready for this, his, his, uh, his offices do not have waiting rooms. Most don't of have, them don't. Don't have waiting rooms. All right, we're up against our break. I want to remind you, you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending that one email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. <laughs> Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and we are back at the meeting of the minds 2023 oh i like the table banging that's even better <laughs> we should have done that we've been, should have been doing that earlier um, Ron, we've got a, just a short segment here to, to finish up, but um, w- w- is there anything else that you want to finish up with regard to this article just so we can put a bow on it? No, other than just, you know, Ed and I have been doing uh, a lot of talking lately on the show about strategy, just mm-hmm. having a, and, and, and not strategic planning. We're not talking about that, but your firm having a strategy and really, get, and really getting to the crux of value creation and it, more importantly, probably is differentiation from the competition. And I just think that's something that we don't pay enough attention to. We, we try and, you know, we usually travel in herds. It's like karaoke capitalism. And that, that's not, it's not good enough these days. I think we really have to mark out a different strategy. And when you look at the DPC doctors and what they're doing, they've come up with a new revolutionary business model. And boy, I'm telling you, they're getting incredible traction with it. Well, let's talk a little bit about that chat GPT. One of the things I did when I experimented with it, by the way, is I asked it to to produce an about page for uh, an accounting firm. And the about page was so plain vanilla as to be, it was, was, was kind of scary because it's 99% of the about pages that you read for any accounting firm, Right. And uh, so, so, so I started thinking about this is what, what are you guys doing to differentiate yourselves? That's a great example. You know, chat GPT is a re- reflection of ourselves. That's, that's what, that's what the, what, what, what's out there. Right. So what is it that we can do to truly differentiate on our webpage? I mean, cause that's still going to be someplace that people are going to investigate you and that it's got to be that opening page on your main page, something that makes them stay for more than five seconds. And I don't know what that is. But it's got it's got to be more than what we we've been doing because it's it just seems to be pretty staid. Yeah, it's got to be incredibly compelling uh, and and express your purpose. So, yeah, what well, what is that that purpose that's out there? So, uh, Ron, the other thing that I wanted to just talk about that I think is relevant to this group is something that we Audit Club is doing. We had another guy by the name of Chris Chris Vanover on the show. Uh, I think like seven or eight weeks ago, something like that. Yep. And he is doing something interesting in the accounting profession in where he's offering audit, like audit services on a subscription basis. But talk a little bit about how he's doing it from a, a scheduling standpoint, Ron, where he's blocking it out, where, where you get, you get based on your level, is how far in advance you can be on his calendar. As you guys know, there's a talent crunch in the accounting profession. We, the profession can't keep good talent. And he is offering talent basically on demand. 
uh, to, to auditing firms. And these are very skilled people. So they can, they can help with an audit. They can complete an audit. They can review an audit. They can even get into regulatory issues um, with like peekaboo and things like that. So it's pretty high skilled. I mean, he's got a lot of ex big four people and he offers a subscription program that with different tiers that basically says, look, the higher on the tier that you are, the faster that you can book, you know, on short notice uh, help. So if somebody gets sick or you're wrapping up a job and you need more, you need more minds, it's, it's kind of on demand. And uh, boy, he's getting incredible traction with this. And he, and this is the most interesting thing to me about this. He's not having a problem at all finding talent. When every CPA firm that I speak to is crying about not being able to find talent, Chris has a waiting list of talent that are dying to work with him. Yeah. And the other thing that he's doing with regard to that scheduling too, that's important is he's also establishing blackout dates. So if you, you have to be at a higher level in his tierings in order to get access to blackout dates, otherwise you're blacked out. And I love this idea for you guys to say, look, you want me to come on, even if it's as simple as Mondays or Fridays, not not unless you pay extra, right? You don't have access to Mondays or Fridays in my schedule, unless you're at these higher tiers. I think that's a really interesting way, way to, to, to look at it as well. Yep. And there's lawyers out there, too, that we've talked to that are on the subscription model that are basically, you know, they're so well focused on their particular niche, uh, like, say, uh, creative professionals, you know, marketers, designers, things like that, where they're kind of doing the direct primary care doctor role where they say, look, whatever you need legally, um, you know, we'll handle it for you if you're if you're on a subscription plan, if it's covered. And now they don't do litigation, just like a direct primary care physician wouldn't do, you know, heart surgery, but for whatever legal issue might come up, you're covered. And boy, that's a form of insurance. And, you know, people that have more money than time will pay for that level of convenience and frictionless. And that's what we're seeing out there. I think that's why the direct primary care doctors are growing so heavily. No, absolutely. Great stuff. Well, be on the lookout for that Joe Pine episode on the 21st of April. If any of you guys or in our audience have questions for Joe, please send them to us. Don't, don't, if you had read the book, The Experience Economy, why don't you go back and give it a, a quick look, see, and if you see some, see some stuff that you want to ask about, please send it to us. We love to have questions and ask questions of our guests from our audience. But we're about finished up here. We're out of time, Ron. So what do we got coming up next year, next yeah, week? Next week, Ed, we're going to be talking to Mark Mills from the Manhattan Institute about all things energy. So looking forward to that. All right. We'll see. I'll see you in 167 hours. This is the soul of enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Experiences that connect through friction and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, feel free to check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com for more information on each show, including links, resources, books that we talked about today. Also, you can contact me or Ed at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.